0: Okay, you appreciate being recognized.
1: <laughs> so you
0: appreciate books that were recognized. How's that? <laughs>
1: That's, that sounds better. Welcome to He Read, She Read, a bi weekly podcast where a couple of married bookworms with very different reading tastes discuss books and the reading life. I'm Curtis.
0: And I'm Chelsea. Every other month, we also share a book club style discussion on one book we both read. On October 27th, we'll be talking about A Quiet Life in the Country A Lady Hardcastle History by T.E. Kinsey. We highly recommend listening to this book on audio if you're going to read along with us.
1: Today, we're discussing literary awards, sharing some of our favorite award winning books, taking a look at some of this year's bid nominations. To find a list of every title we mentioned in today's episode, go to org slash podcast for some show notes. So Chelsea, brief discussion, bookish topic. We're talking about literary awards today. So what's the deal with literary awards?
0: Oh, we're just jumping right in. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. What is the deal, Curtis? You're the one who follows literary awards much more than I do although I mean I pay attention to it I'm a bookworm I like I like awards but we say
1: we say pay attention as like I'm following it like the academies or you know the Emmys which just happened but it's more so that when I'm in a bookstore it's one of my factors that I'm looking for or when I'm researching an author it lends gravitas to the work it's not so much that I'm you know year to year looking at oh look at the nominations it's it helps me when I'm in a bookstore trying to make a determination is the way that I look at it how about you
0: that's true maybe I'm the one who pays attention more I'm interested in the nominees and if I'm trying to find a book to read or if I'm deciding between a couple of books sometimes I'll look at those lists just because it helps narrow down the scope a little bit of what some of the mm-hmm. best books of the year were, according to a certain group of people, and we'll get into that. And, But I have to say I don't think it really determines very much when I'm deciding to pick up a book or not, the way that you use it as a determining factor of, like, oh, I'm going to choose this book over that one.
1: Well, I'm also attracted to shiny objects, so I'm <laughs> looking...
0: You like the metal like on the on, cover?
1: Well, well, even on my desk right now, like I have a copy of Station Eleven, and you can see clearly the medallion there for National Book Award finalist. Um, I've got another one on here that's like right above the center line of the title and the author winner of the Pulitzer Prize for the Killer Angels. So it it, draw, it it's marketing purely and simply is mm-hmm. what it is, and it draws me in. Um, It's the same reason I get suckered in for all of the, you know, staff recommendations because, you know, I'm attracted to shiny objects and people (laughs) putting stuff like big gold medallions (laughs) on their books.
0: Uh, You're also in Enneagram 3, and I think that we could argue that this fits into that personality-wise.
1: Like if I'm going to take the time to read something, it better be with somebody who's award-winning <laughs> and knows what they're talking about.
0: <laughs> Not necessarily, but just that you like awards, you like winning awards, so it's natural that you would gravitate towards books that have won awards as, as something that attracts you to a book.
1: I would prefer to say that as I appreciate being recognized.
0: Okay, you appreciate being recognized, <laughs> so you appreciate books that were recognized how's that <laughs>
1: That's, that sounds better pure enneagram three reaction there Uh
0: huh. okay um, so let's talk about some of the awards that draw your eye specifically or which awards would you actually do a google search to look up to find books that you want to read
1: i mean i'm a big pulitzer prize and national book award um, appreciator i would say mainly because a lot of my reading tastes delve into like biography and nonfiction. So there's lots of associations that will take time to review and rank books on an annual basis. But the easiest thing to do is just look at the Pulitzer prize for biography or the national book award for nonfiction and it narrows down your focus for what's really good and coming out in the short term. Um, What'll get you and what has gotten me on occasion is you'll grab a title and it's somebody who won a Pulitzer for something a while ago, not necessarily for that work. So if I'm interested in looking at something, I'll, that's something I'll kind of do on, in a bookstore is look up the author, see what they were actually awarded for. If it's that book, I'm more inclined to get it than the one that I like first picked up that's like, winner of the Pulitzer Prize.
0: So, Pulitzer, you are mostly looking at their nonfiction Correct. novel awards, right? Correct. And the National Book Awards, do you typically look more at their fiction or their nonfiction? Because they have multiple different lists of awards.
1: Right. So, they've got fiction, nonfiction, poetry is not something I'm usually into. Um, And even some of my other fiction books, there's like specialty awards, Um, like the Hugo is something that we've talked about previously as something that N.K. Jemisin won three consecutive awards for those, but that's specific to science fiction or fantasy. Um, And they usually just do a single award for best novel or best short story. So that's kind of another reason I like literary awards is because you can specialize and look for something that you're looking specifically at, like either science fiction or fantasy. You go to the Hugos. If I'm looking for, like, a journalist that has written something, I'll usually go for the Pulitzer um, discussion. But the same thing for fiction or nonfiction for National Book Award. Like, I lean more towards the former than for more of the nonfiction, but, you know, it's both of them are represented.
0: Yeah, I... Definitely tend to look at the National Book Awards for Fiction. And lately I've been taking a look at the Hugo Awards. Not necessarily the winners. I like to see the full long list. So with a lot Mm -hmm. of these literary awards, they release a long list. So that's a list of maybe like five books in each category that they're going to award. And then they narrow it down for a short list or sometimes it's just a list of nominees and then they announce the winners. I like to see the full list of nominees because I think that sometimes a winner wouldn't suit my taste, but there's likely to be something in the nominations that draws my eye. So that's what I look at with the Hugo Awards, National Book Awards. I personally like to pay attention to the American Library Association Awards. They have a bunch of different awards that they give out every year. The American Library Association is an association of librarians, and (laughs) of course, I, I love libraries. I trust librarians to give great recommendations, and I think their group of awards is really interesting. The other one that I have been paying attention to more lately is the Women's Prize for Fiction, and that is an award coming out of the UK. This year, Maggie O'Farrell won for Hamnet and I was going to read that book anyway, but certainly her award bumped it a little bit farther up my list because it's always exciting and there is I think there's something about um, American culture that certainly prizes awards. You just mentioned the Emmys. I watched those last night at least the first half. Did you catch any clips from the Emmys, Curtis?
1: No, but I heard Shit's Creek did amazingly well, so good on them.
0: Yeah, I honestly was just excited to watch them win everything. That's one of my favorite shows of all time, and I think those awards are so well-deserved. So I think that it's exciting when you, when you love a book or you love a show and you want people to be recognized for it. This literary award season, we're kind of in the midst of that season. Some award winners have been announced some are still coming up but we're kind of in that season and i i think it's fun it adds it like you said it adds that gravitas to the situation but i also think that on the flip side it can get pretty snobby
1: how do you how do you see that
0: Well, a lot, so a lot of these awards, and I think you have some information about like what these awards are, where they come from. It's a group of people, sometimes people who would be considered the literary elite, who are nominating books and reading the books and deciding who won. It's not, these aren't necessarily like awards of the people. There are some literary awards like that, that are a little bit more group drawing from like just a group of what I would call ordinary readers rather than like authors or book critics but some of these awards can can I think they can lean into snobbery a little bit. (laughs)
1: Well we can look at a couple of the examples so some of them are run by nonprofits so the National Book Foundation currently runs the National Book Awards. Uh, even though they were existing back into the 1930s and continuously since the 50s. It's a new organization since 1989. But there's a board of directors and the representations from the book industry itself. So it's kind of like, you know, the industry is giving itself awards. So there's the chance for, you know, favoritism and lobbying. It's not like a people-centric award. It is, you know, people from the industry and the institution... Recognizing themselves, um, the Pulitzer Prize been around since 1917, administered by Columbia. So that one, I don't know if it has more of a public persona than maybe like an association, like the National Book Association. Um, but maybe because it's run by a university, it's a little bit different. the uh, The Hugo Award is actually a different thing entirely because it's awarded at the World Science Fiction Convention and chosen by members of the association. So that one I actually like because it's part of a society that appreciates the work um, dating back to the 1950s and it's voted on by the members. So I think that that's very cool.
0: Curtis, there have been quite a few of our buddy reads. I think There have been maybe more than this that have won awards, but I can think of three specifically that are award winners that we really liked.
1: Yeah, one that I didn't mention is the Edgar Awards, which I think is specific to new authors, um, but it's uh, a short for the Edgar Allan Poe Award and is presented by the Mystery Writers of America. Um, And it actually yeah it's it's different so there's best novel there's off like and it's different awards so there's the best novel there's best new author i think bluebird bluebird when it won the edgar award it was for new author is that right
0: i think so i don't have it right in front of me but i do know that it won an edgar award and the river by peter heller i think was nominated for an edgar award that was a really good one I, I like looking at the Edgar Awards, especially because the kind of mystery that I'm into lately leans a little bit more literary. So getting some of these awards... I mean, I know I was joking a little bit and talking about the snobbery earlier. But <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I am looking for something more literary. And with a little bit of that... Um, special writing style or something that might draw the committees of these awards and in the case of bluebird bluebird and the river for mystery i think that that definitely works another Mm -hmm. one is um song of achilles which madeline miller won the prize the women's prize for fiction for that one so i'm sure there are other buddy reads that we have read that are award winners i just didn't pull up the full list those are some that stood out to me mm-hmm uh
1: for the record because i'm looking it up uh the Bluebird berber did win the best uh novel of that year uh, it wasn't just for the new author although oh, that, nice. i believe that was her date i believe that was her debut right
0: no she had written um several other mysteries before
1: got it okay
0: so curtis This is the part of the show where, before we get into recommendations, which today we'll be recommending some of our favorite books that have won awards and some of this year's nominees and winners that we're excited about. But before we get there, we like to give some short and sweet book reviews. So I don't know if you've finished a book lately because we just recorded our last episode not that long ago. But are you currently reading anything that you can share with us?
1: I did come upon a book that I am going to start soon uh, that somebody had left at work um, when they redeployed, and it's Like War by P.W. Singer and Emerson Brooking. Uh, yeah, the, the subtitle is The Weaponization of Social Media. So P.W. Singer wrote uh, Ghost Fleet, which is something that I've talked about on the show previously. And this is nonfiction, uh, talking about how different societies and um, in the nature of 20th century are using social media in the political sphere, in politics, in war, uh, that type of thing, so. I'm interested in picking it up. It's been on a couple of shortlists for military readers uh, and some book lists uh, for the past couple years. So hopefully finish it in time for the next show.
0: Oh, that sounds interesting. I thought that I recognized the author's name.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. How about you? Do you have a review?
0: Oh, my goodness. So, Curtis, I read one of my most anticipated books of the year last week. It was so so good like even better than i was expecting i listened to transcendent kingdom by yaw jesse on audio and the audiobook was narrated by bonnie turpin she's one of my favorite audiobook narrators i loved jesse's debut novel homegoing it's one of my favorite books of all time and transcendent kingdom did not disappoint it was so good The book is about Gifty, and she is a neuroscientist who's studying depression and addiction and using mice and neuroscience to try and figure out how those things work in our brains. And her upbringing and her growing up and her past informs her science, so she had an older brother, and he passed away from a drug overdose. He was a gifted athlete who ended up hooked on opioids. And so the events of his addiction and his death and subsequently her mother's deep depression and grief all lead to gifty navigating science. And she had this really involved evangelical religious upbringing, and the book is really a character examination of Gifty reconciling that upbringing with science and wanting the hope and faith of her past, but not wanting to follow all of it the way that she was taught, and it's so beautiful and complex. I I wasn't expecting to deeply relate to Gifty and her story as much as I did but I did and it was so so good I loved the audiobook but I actually really want to reread it in hardcover like soon and I am not a rereader but I want to Mm reread it and get the hardcover copy of it it was really really good and I'm shocked that I haven't seen it it might be nominated for an award or two that I'm not aware of but I'm surprised that I haven't seen it because I I think it was just incredible it was so good
1: that's high praise if you're talking about rereading it so quickly because that's a, a rarity for you
0: it is definitely but I think especially since I listened to it and there were so many parts where I was like, oh my goodness, I need to underline that or I need to write that quote down. It it was a pretty short book as well, so yeah, I really need to get my hands on a hardcover copy of that one I'm putting it on my Christmas list, hint, hint.
1: Writing that down. <laughs> Note for the husbands listening, the hints, hints are key. <laughs>
0: So, Curtis, should we start to talk about our recommendations and some of our favorite books that have won awards in the past? These are backlist books, so from previous years, award winners. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going to actually do a little bit of a twofer with this first one uh, just because I have something written down on the outline, but I picked something up today on my way back from the laundromat uh, where they've decided to just put a bunch of books out for people to take which is good uh i'm gonna do a little civil war historical fiction back to back so the first one is cold mountain by charles Frazier, which won the 1997 national book award for fiction and then the killer angels by michael shara which was a winner of the pulitzer prize so first things first uh Young Curtis was very into Civil War stories uh, when he was growing up, if the year was sometime in the mid-1990s. But I didn't get exposed to these until I was probably in college. Um, After Cold Mountain, I had seen the movie first and then really liked that story. Um, It covers a Civil War Confederate deserter who is trying to find his way back um, home because he's got his you know his sweetie that he's trying to get back to um if people have seen the movie that's uh nicole kidman and uh what's the guy's name i, I don't know
0: it. who's paired up with who in that movie i don't remember you've never
1: seen you've never seen that movie
0: i've seen it i just i mean it's been a really long time since i've seen it i know renee zellweger is in it but i don't she remember that. the
1: academy award
0: yeah but i don't remember yeah, renee the guys Zell-
1: yeah, Renee Zellweger won uh, the supporting actress Academy Award for it. Ah, it's Jude Law, nailed it.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so part of the reason I think I liked it um, is it's got a little bit of a, a little bit of the Odyssey to it. I don't know if you would see that, but it's a guy who goes off to war and not necessarily a deserter in Odysseus's case, but he's trying to find his way back home and then the story goes back and forth um, as far as the obstacles that are in his way. What I like about the book as well is it has different narrators. I always like a back and forth chapter with different narrators telling the story. So that's the first one. And then and then The Killer Angels, uh, which goes back to 1975, it was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. So it goes pretty far back. And it tells the story of Gettysburg in a historical fiction context. Uh, So it's got the main protagonists, Buford, Chamberlain, Longstreet, Lee, and it's the basis for the film Gettysburg, which was released in 1993. So I think something that I have seen in my books that I like that have won awards that are based around historical events, if they're turned into films, if they're turned into... Series. I'm a big fan of them. So Gettysburg as a movie, Cold Mountain as a movie. um, David McCullough's John Adams, which I've mentioned on the show before, was turned into an HBO series. So if you're looking for that type of stuff, uh, those are a couple of options that I really like.
0: The first book that I would like to talk about is one of my favorite books of all time. I don't remember... I probably have mentioned it on the podcast at least once, but maybe not that often. Salvage the Bones by Jesmyn Ward. Won the National Book Award in 2011, and it's such a good book. I think that it will be a literary classic, and it's just incredible. So Salvage the Bones is about a group of siblings, and they live with their dad, and Hurricane Katrina is about to hit, and they are pretty much left to their own devices. Um, their dad isn't much of a help to them, and this is a story of poverty and family. And gosh, the the moments and the writing that Ward does around describing the weather and the hurricane are stunning and so tense this book is heartbreaking it's not the easiest read but i just kept turning the pages because i was so invested in the kids and the main characters and had to know what would happen to them even though i knew that it probably was not all going to turn out okay but mostly i just am in awe of words Writing. So I can see why this book won the National Book Award. I think she has won some awards since, and I'm sure it won't be her last. Jasmine Ward lost her husband to COVID 19 recently, Mm -hmm. and she wrote an article about her experience of grief and gosh, if you don't want to take the time to read one of her novels you need to read her piece it's i mean it's it'll gut you but it's so 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 good so salvage the bones by Jasmine ward is one of my favorite books it won the national book award but i will provide a link to the article that i'm talking about um I believe it was in Vanity Fair. And uh, yeah, it's called On Witness and Respair, A Personal Tragedy Followed by Pandemic. So um, yeah, I, I highly recommend reading that article and I'll make sure I put a link, put a link in. Curtis, what else do you have for us?
1: So this is a perfect example where... If I'm looking for a journalist who's written a historical nonfiction book, um, I go for the Pulitzer Prize list. So Ghost Wars uh, by Steve Kahl is a 2005 winner in general nonfiction, and it covers the secret history of the CIA in Afghanistan from the Soviet invasion prior to September 10th, 2001. So I read this, pieces of it in college um, when I was writing my uh, graduate thesis, uh, part of my research dealt in that time period. And then um, I read it again before I deployed to Afghanistan the first time. And Steve Call is a journalist, academic. Uh, he's currently the dean of Columbia University School of Journalism. And the whole point of his, this first book is it was going to be a two parter. So this covers everything prior to 9-11 and then he has another book written after 9-11 when covering the same region called Directorate S. So what I really like about uh, this is it's well researched as you would imagine, but it's an in-depth look at how the CIA was active in Afghanistan during the Soviet time period and the aftermath and kind of their interplay with the Pakistanis, ISI, different intelligence organizations, so for people that are interested in like the current instability that is going on in you know Southeast Asia and American involvement to in and responsibility for that in the early 80s and 90s, uh, it's a perfect example. So for me, it was helpful uh, just kind of learning the regional players before I spent some time over here, um, and then it uh, is still well researched and entertaining just to see what we were involved with back in the day. So ghost wars steve call well well recommended
0: i know that's one that you've passed around to several of your friends who have really enjoyed Mm -hmm. it so yep good recommendation okay another book that i would like to recommend is long way down by jason reynolds this this book won a lot of awards but some notable awards are 2018 newberry honor the credit scott king award and the edgar award for young adult literature so long way down is ya jason reynolds is a poet so this is a novel in verse and if you've never read a novel in verse and you're hesitant to try it because you don't think you like poetry This is definitely one I recommend picking up. Either Jason Reynolds or Elizabeth Acevedo. I think they can turn you around on the form. So Long Way Down is about a kid and his brother died. And the circumstances around his brother's death are um, tough. And he decides to take his brother's gun and he is ready to seek revenge. For his brother's death so he gets on the elevator but then as he goes down each floor someone from his past someone that knew his brother steps on and some of these people are ghosts some of these people we don't know if they're real or not but they have a conversation with him and as he goes down each floor he gets closer and closer to making his decision about what he's going to do so this is a book about gun, gun violence and uh, about making decisions, and it's, it's so good. I mean, I can totally see why it won all of these awards, and this is a book that I passed to a lot of students when I was teaching high school, and they loved it. And because it's a novel in verse, it only takes a couple of hours if that to read I definitely read it in one sitting myself I think the audiobook is really good so I highly highly recommend Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds
1: okay I'm going to close out my uh, favorites that have won awards uh, and I'm going to get away with another twofer you know normally you do this but this has been uh my M.O. for today. Um, So I'm going to cover Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card and Starship Troopers by Robert Heinlein, which are both Hugo Award winners for Best Novel, um, Starship Troopers in 1960 and Ender's Game in 1985. So Ender's Game and Starship Troopers both share that they are, I'll call them coming-of-age stories about people who grow up in a military training science fiction environment uh, and they're both stories that talk about progressing people in young age uh, up through a deliberate process to get them conditioned I think is the proper word in order to fight for the good of humanity against this unknown um, enemy that's con- threatening humankind part of the interesting thing that I would want to revisit some of these books is recently there's been criticism for the authors about the reaction as far as like making the aliens akin to people of color and then just the way that people respond to it as kind of like a propaganda piece so idealistic of like respecting the military to the point of it's too far to the extreme And leaning towards fascism so I'd be interested to read these again because the first time I was exposed to them was when I was coming up in school getting ready to go full-on into the military so as I've kind of grown up and been exposed a little bit more of the realities I'd be interested to go back with two of these and see if they hold up or if I now see it from a different point of view so
0: there is something I Personally really like about going back and reading a book with a more critical eye Which totally happens with a lot of books that you read when you're younger and that you come back to them as an adult So that mm-hmm. should make for an interesting reading experience. I hadn't heard that about those books, but I mean that makes sense
1: Yeah, more so on the Starship Trooper side um, because of the glorification of the military Um Ender's game not as much just because it's more of that's more of a classic coming-of-age story which is why that i like it so you know i'm, I'm interested to see what both of them bring to the table I, i'm sure they still hold up for a lot of reasons but i'd be interested to see how a more critical look at them what that'll uh come across so those are my recommendations for books that i like that have won awards
0: all right i have uh one more to share and then we will get into some of the books that are on our to be read list that have won awards either this year or really recently so another one is Circe by Madeline Miller we read Song of Achilles together and loved it one of our favorite buddy reads of all time but I read Circe and I think I liked Circe even better And this one won the Alex Award in 2019. And the Alex Award is one of the American Library Association Awards. And the list of Alex Awards is books that are adult fiction, but could work really well for younger people or teens to read. So I like looking at this list because it's a great resource for deciding which books to bring into the classroom And I just find that crossover really interesting. As a kid who, as a teen, read mostly adult fiction because YA wasn't a booming industry at that time, I am interested in that crossover. Cersei by Madeline Miller also won a Goodreads Best Fantasy Award. I despise the Goodreads Awards, but I think that I'll save that (laughs) vitriol for another episode. I just think that they are terrible so (laughs) we'll save that rant for another day (laughs)
1: okay okay you want to let it out now
0: no I I haven't I I like to really take time to articulate my opinions and I haven't had the time to figure out how I want to articulate it and provide the evidence to back me up so I would rather save that for another day (laughs)
1: See, I'm very much just seat of pants, get it out the way now. So. I know. It's a good thing that we're balanced in that way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, before we share more book recommendations and books that are on our to-be-read list, we want to tell you a little bit about our favorite audiobook service, Libro FM. I have been an avid audiobook listener for years, and I'm constantly listening to an audiobook, especially with Curtis on deployment. I always have an audiobook to keep me company while I am making dinner for myself, or walking Penny around the neighborhood. I mentioned listening to Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jesse earlier, and I finished that, so I just downloaded Mexican Gothic to read next. So, Curtis, what are you listening to right now?
1: Well, I just downloaded Stamp from the Beginning, which by chance is also a National Book Award winner, so it ticks some boxes there. And that's a big commitment. It's about 17 hours, but Libro.fm is our favorite because with each download, we're supporting an independent bookstore. We're all about supporting favorite indies so that we can go on plenty of bookstore dates when I get back.
0: The Libro FM app is easy to use. They just updated it, and we love our listening experience with their app. So you can enhance your reading life with audiobooks while you support small business. The best part of Libro.fm is that you can support an independent bookstore. So we urge you to switch to Libro.fm audiobooks today.
1: For listeners of the He Read, She Read podcast, you can get two audiobooks. Audiobook credits for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm. That's L-I-B-R-O. fm, and enter the promo code H-R-S-R, or you can click on the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing you're supporting local bookstores.
0: Okay, Curtis, let's get into a to-be-read list. So these are books that we have not read yet, but based on their awards we want to so what do you have at the top of your list
1: now i went purely 2020 for these awards which i don't know if it was clearly defined that's what we were supposed to do um, but that's the way that i went with it um, so the first one is a 2020 national book award nominee it's cast the origins of our discontents by isabel wilgerson now i think you've read something by her before correct
0: I read The Warmth of Other Suns and loved it, that's one of my favorite nonfiction books.
1: So the point of this one is it talks about racism as an aspect of a caste system, which is talking about society characterized in a hierarchical sense, inclusion, exclusion, purity, and she does this by comparing aspects of people of color in America to caste systems traditionally in India and Nazi Germany. So it's going over how societies are shaped by them, how people interact in a caste system, and to me that seems like it it references conversations that I've been having where racism and in a society is constructed out of like a social hierarchy in certain extents and a caste system in other countries. So I'm interested to see how that's applied to a United States aspect and I'm rooting for her to win.
0: I'm excited to read that one too, especially since I loved her first work so much. I have a uh, national book award long list nonfiction pick on my list too I would really love to read The Dead Are Arising The Life of Malcolm X by Les Payne and Tamara Payne so this one is a book that was started by Les Payne and he interviewed a bunch of people who knew Malcolm X who worked with him who encountered him, and he was collecting all of these interviews to to write this book. He passed away, and his daughter picked up the torch and finished the interviews and then finished the book. So it's written under unique circumstances, and it just sounds really good. Uh, One of my favorite books is The Autobiography of Malcolm X. That book really made an impact on me, and so I'm especially eager to read this Book The Dead Are Arising The Life of Malcolm X. I'm also interested in it because of the format. Part of what I loved about The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson is the way that she used interviews and took those stories that she heard and crafted a narrative out of it. So anytime that I hear about journalists and historians conducting a bunch of interviews in order to gather stories for their book, I'm interested in reading what they have to say. So that is The Dead Are Arising The Life of Malcolm X.
1: Okay, my next one is covering an aspect that I like about the Pulitzer Prize system where historians can take little-known stories that I haven't heard of and present it in a way that, and get some good recognition for it. So it's The Sweet Taste of Liberty by Caleb McDaniel. So Caleb McDaniel is a professor of history and incoming chair of the Department of History at Rice University. And the book covers a story of Henrietta Wood who was enslaved twice and 30 years after she was first freed won a, the largest financial settlement in history awarded by U.S. court as part of restitution for slavery. So something that intrigues me about that is you know, she's surviving being free for a time, being kidnapped and re-enslaved, and then suing her captors, And then in this larger conversation about reparations and restitution for slavery, because it's something that we haven't really dealt with as a society yet, I'm interested to see how that was constructed in the 19th century and if there's lessons that we can take and move forward. So uh, I'm looking forward to picking this one up sometime.
0: That sounds really good, and I had no idea that that book existed, but that's one that I would definitely read too
1: see this is why we have the lists folks (laughs) your stories that you have never heard of before
0: okay i'm gonna go in a lighter direction here and please do share share a really fun book this one i actually currently have from the library i read the first two pages i would really like to get into it this week and maybe i'll share be able to read it and share a review on instagram soon So this is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston, and it won an Alex Award for 2020. I have had so many friends read Red, White, and Royal Blue and say that it was exactly the charming rom-com that they needed. So this book is about Alex Claremont Diaz, and he is the first son. His mom is the President of the United States. And so <laughs> he and his mom um, go across the pond and he has a nemesis, Prince Henry, who is like his British equivalent. So he's the first son and then there's this prince and they have like this feud going on. And the plan, because there was this photo that was leaked of them getting into a fight, the plan to sort of smooth things over for proper international relations and a good image is to fake a friendship between the prince and the first son, but they end up falling for each other. So it's a little bit of like enemies to friends to lovers romance. And part of what people really love is the imagining of what the United States would be like with a female president so it's like a little bit of escapism that way and then in addition to a really fun romance so that won the alex award for this year or one of the alex awards there are several books that won an alex award but that's red white and royal blue by casey mcquiston yeah i i will read it and report back soon so what do you have for your final to be read
1: I'm going to close out with the 2020 Hugo Award for Best Novel, and it's A Memory Called Empire, which was the debut novel by Arcady Martine. So it covers an investigation by an ambassador to a empire where she's investigating uh, the death of her predecessor and some instabilities in that culture. Part of the things I like in the synopsis is there's a succession crisis, potential for civil war, and some of the themes uh, that have been addressed with uh, the reviews on it is talking about, you know, conquest societies and politics that are intertwined in there and how that intertwines with, you know, a broader cultural context in like a, a space context, so...
0: That's cool. I was just looking at her bio, and she is an American historian and city planner. So I'm curious how that might, how those career, career, um, how her job might impact her writing.
1: Mm-hmm. You probably got some good insights for some societal stuff. And I like it when, uh, that's part of the reason I like the Hugo Awards and why it's, you know, a one of the cooler award system that's voted by its members is they're really good about identifying new authors into the genre and recognizing some debut authors. I th- this isn't the first time I've seen it where a Hugo Award winner is a debut novel. So interested.
0: Cool. Well, I am going to share a Hugo Award winner that I'm interested in reading, but this one is from 2019. Because I just I wanted to spread the love with which um, awards I was talking about, and I had to go back to 2019 to find one for my to be read list. So I would like to read *The Calculating Stars*, the first in the Lady Astronaut series by Mary Robinette Kowal. We read, um, what was it, *Ghost Wars* by Kowal. Yes. We read one of her books previously. This one won the Hugo Best Novel Award in 2019 and the Nebula Best Novel Award in 2019. So this is a book takes place in 1952 and a meteorite has destroyed Washington, DC, which has triggered extinction level global warming. So in order to save humans, The world unites and forms an international aerospace coalition to colonize the moon and then Mars. So the lady astronaut, as the series says, is a World War II pilot and mathematician, and she wants to be an astronaut, but prejudice doesn't allow her to do so. So the book is about her achieving her dream of becoming an astronaut and basically saving the world so i am really excited about this book i hadn't heard much about it but it sounds like it it sounds like it's totally in my wheelhouse for fantasy and science fiction where it is it's got realistic enough elements that it's sort of grounded in reality in setting but in super high stakes but there's this sci-fi element to it and yeah i'm i'm excited about this one so that's the calculating mm-hmm. stars by mary robinette kowal
1: yeah i like that part of ghost talkers where it had the historical context and that's something that you liked about um the nk jameson book that we read where it's still based in a realistic setting that you can you know you don't have to suspend your disbelief as much
0: yeah i i'm not a high fantasy fan like world building's great but i don't need it i i like something that has that dose of reality so well i feel like this episode made me add to my to to, to be read list just because of the books that you mentioned today so i am i'm excited about these good reads coming up on our lists
1: now you feel how the listeners feel
0: Curtis, let's talk about recommendations of the week. I am curious to hear what you've been watching lately.
1: So this is twofold. So there is a new trailer out for The Mandalorian Season 2, which is going to drop at the end of October, I believe. And part of the lead-up to the second season of one of my favorite shows that we've talked about on the podcast before is there's characters in it that are from uh, a animated series that uh, Lucas put out. So it's Star Wars The Clone Wars, which is available on Disney+. Plus. So I've been watching that lately. And m- mainly to get ready for Mandalorian Season 2 and uh, figure out who these characters are uh, that are going to find their way over into the live-action realm uh, from this animated series. So... Uh, Backstory is, I think the character's name is Ahsoka, and she is being played by Rosario Dawson, who I really like. And the character goes back... The Clone Wars are a period that's between Episode 2 and Episode 3, not to go down a huge Star Wars nerd uh, track there, but um, eventually leaves the Jedi Order and becomes some type of an espionage spy character. So I'm interested to see how she interweaves with The Mandalorian. So watching The Clone Wars, doing some research for The Mandalorian, you know, normal nerd stuff.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, Curtis, I think people expect you to go down the nerdy Star Wars rabbit holes. So <laughs> go, go full force <laughs> if you want to.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out who these characters are uh, that I'm going to be watching once October rolls around and we get the next season of uh, John Favreau's masterpiece.
0: Well, speaking of favorite shows... My favorite show is coming back, and episodes are going to be on Netflix as of September 25th, which I think is just before this episode releases. So when you're listening to this, Great British Baking Show is back, and we can watch it on Netflix. I'm so... Curtis, this is exactly what I need, exactly when I need it. I mean, Mm -hmm. my prayers have been answered. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's a masterpiece if I've ever seen one.
0: I'm so excited. I am definitely going to watch on September 25th. And then I think, so I think it'll be, they did this last season, right? Where they released one episode at a time so that we could kind of watch along with the British audience. Yes. So I know what I'm going to be doing every Friday when those episodes drop. And I'm so, so excited about it.
1: See, I tried to make a masterpiece joke because BBC, but then I remembered that's PBS, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it has nothing to do with masterpiece. I was wondering what what you were doing there.
1: Sometimes the jokes don't land, Chelsea.
0: Sometimes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all we have. Thank you to everyone for hanging out with us today. For podcast news and reading updates, make sure to follow us on Instagram at HeReadSheRead. On the weeks when we don't release a podcast episode, we send out a newsletter with short book reviews and a list of our favorite things. You can subscribe to our newsletter at hereadsheread at substack.com. If you need a book recommendation or have a question for us, please send an email at Podcast at gmail.com. We love answering your questions or recommending books if you have a specific taste or for someone or for yourself. Also, a special thank you to Mark Anderson and Miles Eichner for our new theme music. I actually really like it, even though I don't like change. And thanks to Libro <laughs> FM for sponsoring this episode. Before you go, remember the couple that reads together,
0: all we do is win, 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 no matter what, or we just read books that win. <laughs>